In this episode of Full Stack Radio, I talk to Caleb Porzio about Alpine JS. This is Full Stack Radio, episode 132. The reason I want to have you on the show today is to talk about Alpine JS, which is like a new JavaScript library that I think you kind of put out into the wild, maybe like maybe two months ago, probably not even that long ago. Yeah, something like that, barely. But it was called Project X at the time. That's right. Which still lives on through some of the API secretly. And well, not secretly, pretty in your face in Alpine. Yeah, the the X. So Alpine's main API is like X hyphen instead of views like V hyphen. And it was just that because I, th- I wanted something generic. Mm-hmm. And Project X, when I first thought of Project X, I didn't even make the correlation at first. I was just like, oh, really? project. I know, isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> well, X is a good There's letter so for that sort of situation, for sure. It's just right. a wild card. It, it is the most wild card of letters, I would say. Yeah, um, I've evaluated like all the characters that I could possibly use. And all 26 characters of the alphabet. <laughs> I, I went through hundreds of characters of the alphabet. <laughs> and that's what I landed on. Love it. So I guess for people who aren't familiar with Alpine, what is your pitch for Alpine? How do you uh, describe it to so people? So I really like the the tagline. It's it's I think I'm going to get this right. A rugged minim a rugged minimal framework for composing behavior uh, directly in your markup. I think is what it is. But the pitch is basically like one. It's rugged. It's not like Vue or React. There's no virtual DOM. So if you flick it, it it's okay. It's not just going to all blow up. Mm-hmm. It's minimal. Um, and it's right in your markup. So the idea is that it's a small little library and you compose behavior right in your template. Like, so I, I think right below that I have like, think of it like Tailwind for JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Cause it's the same idea. Like you accept a little bit of grossness in your markup for not having to maintain a separate file that correlates yeah, to your markup. Less context switching. It's just like make your HTML kind of like that's the shit where you do yeah. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think the thing that you kind of leave out in that description that is the important part for me anyways, is that Alpine is really like a JavaScript UI sort of manipulation library for very specifically for like server rendered apps and server rendered in Mm -hmm. like the 2005 server rendered way, not like the (laughs) I server render my react server side rendered. Like your server sends content type text HTML over mm-hmm. the wire and you want to make that HTML be able to do stuff. So it's a perfect fit for, I guess, for like people building a Rails app with ERB templates or people building a Laravel app with Blade templates or yep. people who just throwing static HTML up on something and want to have uh, a little bit of behavior there. So maybe something that'd be good to talk about is what sort of behaviors like this thing even lets you do like where would you use it and what and how would you use it to solve that particular problem yeah so one i don't want to scope it to anything because i i don't know the bounds of alpine i imagine it can be pushed a lot farther than people think it it would be or that i even think it would be but we'll stick with the basic stuff basically um so the story goes, I started resisting. I went heavily into Vue after, mm-hmm. you know, being a like blade template PHP app guy and went heavily into Vue. My whole front end's review, and then I started to back out of it for reasons. And I, I tried resisting Vue 
I tried going almost Node.js and doing weird things to not have JavaScript. And basically, like I realized details tags. Yeah, details and- tags. <laughs> Even worse, the checkbox stuff where you attach styles to a checkbox state mm-hmm. but keep yeah, the checkbox yeah. hidden. Uh, yeah, it gets it gets pretty dirty. Um, and I basically realized like mostly what people. Oh, and so I'm building Livewire, this this framework for Laravel that is kind of a Node.js framework. And honestly, most people's complaints with any of these approaches is like, but how do I do dropdowns? And how do I do modals? <laughs> like that, yeah. most of what people wanted is dropped, is basically toggling things. Yeah, it's basically so kind of, like what what people use Bootstrap's JavaScript for. Yeah, what Bootstrap gives you out of the box, right? Yeah. But now they switch to Tailwind or Balma and it's sans JavaScript and they go, oh man, I need to toggle a dropdown in a modal as like a basic app need so now I need to pull in view. And then before yeah. you know it, they've bought into this whole thing because they needed a freaking drop down, you mm-hmm. know? So that was kind of a little bit of the motivation was like, I need a way to basically handle simple behavior, like a little tabs component or something where you're just switching between stuff. Um, and so stimulus is, I think the currently recommended tool for the job yep. as I've found it. Um, but I just really did not like the aesthetics, um, and so anyway, I was brainstorming with a friend and basically was like, I really just want Vue.js without all the extra stuff and yeah. without the virtual DOM and without a separate file. Like all I need is just the data and then I can use the template for everything. Um, yeah. So so I guess to answer your question of stuff that that I think it's good for, it's definitely good for the simple stuff, toggling stuff. Um, you can bind data. There's X models. So you could like bind a piece of data to an input element and do real-time validation if you mm-hmm. wanted. Um, yeah, basically anything that involves JavaScript logic, binding to data, binding cl- like class attributes and stuff, it's good for. Yeah, yeah, sweet, sweet, sweet. So one thing that where I think Alpine is kind of like interesting in terms of the design decision. Well, you know what? Before we even get into that, let's talk a little bit about um, sort of the API for like a dropdown, for example. So you kind of talked about how it's, it's very much like inspired by Vue in the sense that the way that I kind of see it in my head is it's like you have these situations when you're building like a server rendered app or some vanilla HTML stuff where it's like I need to do this simple thing and like if Vue was already in my app, I would want to use Vue for it because Vue is really nice to work with. Mm-hmm. But fuck, I don't want to pull in Vue just for this one tiny little drop down thing that right. I need to do. So how can I like get a Vue-ish authoring experience um, without having to buy into something that even though Vue is kind of like advertised as like a progressive framework in the sense that like, oh yeah, you can use it for just JavaScript sprinkles and you can use it to build um, a whole SPA. And that's like how, how I use it a lot of the time. It still kind of feels like if you know you're only ever going to be using it for like the sprinkles situation, like you're kind of dragging a whole lot of stuff with you that's designed for situations that you're never going to use it to to tackle right and it's it's like a it's a seductive framework because it it out of the like it teases you with your little one-off components Mm. but there's just this force of nature where you end up like wrapping those components up and before you know it your whole app is it's kind of like uh someone like leading off of first base and 
baseball. You know what I mean? When the pitcher's not looking, you're maybe like five feet away from the base. Yeah, right. <laughs> just waiting to like get your tentacles into like another chunk of the UI and sort exactly. of Exactly. Uh, it it draws you in and then they're like, oh, well, I could just use a view plugin for this. So then you bring in a view plugin somewhere, but it needs a view context. So you make the whole page a view context and then you're in it. And then you're like, well, native form submissions, that seems so weird. You're not going to find that in any like view tutorials. Yeah. So you're like, well, I'll use Axios. And then before you know it, you're you're in over your head. So so this is, you know, the syntax and API, but maybe not. Um, but it, it kind of has a wall, like it yeah. doesn't draw you in further. And then I guess the other piece is that even with view, say like you were going to there's sort of two ways that you can sprinkle something in, right? You can, well, three, I guess. You can you can just create a new view instance and reference an ID or some sort of selector somewhere on the page and say, yep, mm-hmm. this should kind of own that part of the DOM. And it can have its own template there with a bunch of its logic or it can use like the inline template feature of view. Um, or you can create like a component and register some global components of view and drop like your custom tag in. But what happens there is you, you end up with this context switching still now, right? So now you either have some HTML in your view components and then 99% of your HTML just in your regular templates for your server rendered app. Right. Or even with like the inline template approach, your logic still kind of has to live somewhere else, like in a .view file or in whatever your app.js file is where you're kind of mounting everything. So no matter what, you still kind of get stuff kind of split up and alpine kind of has this approach of making it possible like you said with with tailwind really where everything kind of happens in the html in a way that kind of makes it feel like you're using like on click handlers and stuff in this like very old school way directly in your html um but not really like that because you get some more power and stuff like that so i guess do you want to take a minute and maybe just explain or walk through like what it would look like to build like a basic dropdown with Alpine in terms of what attributes you're sticking on things and how you're going to be interacting with Alpine's API? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And actually, you know what, before that, even like how you even like get Alpine set up. Yeah. If only because I think people a lot of time assume things are going to involve more than they actually do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I think me being a kind of complainy pants JavaScript developer is is a uh, something that's informed Alpine. So there's no build required. Like you don't have to. The first line isn't npm install. To me, that was like the seminal change in JavaScript when all of a sudden the tutorials went from download this JavaScript file or reference the CDN to npm install. Then it went from like the learning curve going from you know slight to like a hockey stick. Yep. So, um, so the first line, the installation, uh, you know, in the GitHub readme, uh, also there's just a readme. This is my, this is my punt on all the things that, that stop me from, you know, building good, meaningful, doing good, meaningful work, like so a separate no docs site. Or, or yeah. There's like TurtleLink still doesn't or... <laughs> have a landing page. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. I made a logo, but I punted on the logo in the name too. It was project X. So anyway, the first like l- useful line in the readme is a CDN. So it's just a script tag with a source CDN and then a little defer attribute. And that's it. And that's it. It automatically initializes. I didn't even want a separate script tag where you have to do alpine.start. Yeah. I wanted it like you just pull it in. As soon as the DOM is ready, it does its thing. And that's it. And it's super small. It's like three and a half kilobytes uh, gzipped. 
And it also has the ability to be NPM installed. So you can pull it in as a dependency if you want in your, you know, app.js yeah, totally. file that you Laravel mix or even if, you know, whatever your build is. Love it. Yeah. So that's how you get it kind of set up. Um, I have some questions related to that actually, but I think it's better to save those so later. Um, so okay. now you've got Alpine in your project. You've thrown in your CDN script tag. Alpine is just there waiting for you to use it. What do you do that makes Alpine notice that you're trying to use it? Yeah. So you, it all starts with X data, X hyphen data. It's the, the attribute that tells Alpine that, hey, this DOM node, this element, and all its children are a component. And so you're specifying the component, and it's X data equals, and then you pass in a data object, like a JSON object, that's going to be the... So if you're using view, this is the equivalent of newing up a view component and then specifying a, a data property. Um, so here, you would you would put all your state, all the reactive state that you want. So if we're building a dropdown, maybe we have a piece of state called is shown that starts out as being true. So is shown sure. colon true. Yep. And then that that sets up the the component. So that's kind of like the marker that Alpine is crawling the DOM for, trying to find out like where's the chunks that I should be kind of controlling or paying exactly. attention to. Yep, totally. Um okay, so there's that and then let's say we want to have a button that you click to toggle show on and off. Mm-hmm. You would have a button element inside of that X data element with at click like in view like at click to listen for a click equals and then it's it's just a javascript expression and then in here you would say is shown equals false or is shown equals not is shown if you want to toggle it on and off gotcha and that's just um similar to view you're kind of like magically inferring sort of some context there so it doesn't have to be like this dot is shown or anything like that it's just is shown whatever you've kind of defined in your data object imagine that's like a local variable that exists for you to do what you want with in the context of this kind of block of HTML. Yep. Uh, remind me to circle back to that later if we want to go deep on sure. problems. Sounds good. Um, so there's the button that you can toggle the is shown. And then below that, let's say you have a div that is your dropdown. Mm-hmm. So it has all, you know, maybe it's a UL with LIs of links to different places. On that element, you would have, you could do it a couple different ways, but let's just use X hyphen show. Like in view, it would be V show. Uh, and yeah. it'll toggle like display none of that element. So you say X hyphen show and then another JavaScript expression, which could be whatever you want. In our case, we'll just do is shown. Just yeah. pass that in there as data that it accesses on the model or sorry, the the data object. And then when you click the button, it all reacts. So the, the drop down hides and then you click it again and it shows and you're set up. Beautiful. So yeah, that sounds really nice and easy. Um, something that I see people talk about uh, when alpine is sort of presented to them skeptics anyways are like why wouldn't i just do this with vanilla javascript yeah um so, so why I, I hear you that just do it with vanilla javascript right i hear people say that and i totally identify with where they're coming from because i i think one of the benefits of having gone on a journey like a, a pretty long journey that i i tried to answer I tried to just be honest with myself on my web development journey, and it led me here. So chances are some skeptic is is somewhere along my journey, and I can refer to what I thought at that point and my experience. So rather than just deciding that this is the way and then religiously defending it, I can just go, well, yeah, at one point I wanted to write all JavaScript, like all vanilla, especially little stuff like this. So my answer to them is that 
you you wind up in all these well one first answer it you usually end up writing imperative code so the code that you're writing is like you'd have okay button dot add event listener then you're like well how do i get that button document dot query selector and then what's the query selector can't just be a button maybe i put an id and then that's gross because what's the id called like has drop down button unique and right yeah so well, you may maybe you do a data to think about yeah exactly yeah. but at the end of the day if you do that well even you have an, an event listener where then you you know you ref you do what you need to do right in the listener so you get that div out of the you know query selector that div and then dot uh whatever style you do whatever you would do to add a hidden attribute toggle a hidden attribute or show and hide it so you end up writing basically like like how we used to write code in jQuery days. It's imperative code. It's like do this, then that, then this, then that, instead of declarative code, where you can kind of just look at the HTML and and see the state of the thing and the interactions. Yeah. Which so I, I guess my first answer is it's declarative code, and you can write that yourself with vanilla JavaScript. But you end up with a thousand and one little questions about how I want to do this and where I'm going to put these data attributes. And it gets pretty nasty. So I guess that that's my first answer. Sure. Make sense? Yep. So then I guess second answer is there's lots of weird little things that you encounter with vanilla JavaScript that are annoying. Like, uh, so an example is with a dropdown, if you want a click away behavior, mm-hmm. like so that you show the dropdown, but now that the dropdown shown, if you click anywhere else outside of the dropdown, you want it to automatically hide. So to do that, you have to get into event delegation and listen for the click on the window object and then check against every element that hits that click and then remove the listener. All of these things that you end up wading into kind of the weeds. I added a at click dot away. So yeah. it's just it's just done. And there's at click dot once if you only want to listen once. You don't have to set a handler, remove the handler if it happens. What's a good um, use case for that? Oh, what's a good use case for that? I built it for some specific use case. Oh, uh if you want to hover over like a drop so on GitHub, every drop down you hover over, it fetches the HTML for that drop down in the background. Ah, gotcha. Like it prefetches, yep. and then when you click it, it's there in the page. And you only want to prefetch once. Yeah. So I added a, so you could do like X on or at mouse enter equals or mouse enter dot once and then fetch it, you know, that's cool from Ajax. And yeah, yeah. So, so it, it gives you little helpers like that. Uh, transitions, transitions are, are not easy to do. Um, like views transition API where you apply classes at different states of the transition. Um, that's not easy to implement on your own. And that's yeah. really just for controlling like, um, things like transitioning like in and out of the dom essentially right yeah uh, yeah or around i mean anything you do if you move it in but yeah generally speaking in and out totally yeah. little swipe little fade whatever. yeah 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 and i've never implemented that myself so <laughs> i wouldn't even know something to do with request animation frame and like yeah. adding some <laughs> styles for like one frame and then like removing them yep. and immediately adding some other stuff and that, that again sounds like a bunch of like a big imperative mess to sort of manage Um, yeah so you can do it but you'll end up with your own little library of little helpers and if you if you do it well like in a cohesive way you've basically just kind of written alpine so sure yeah and i think that's sort of like the logical conclusion of that argument really is like there's a bunch of little things that you're going to need to do probably more than once you're going to look for ways to make those reusable and why are you doing that because caleb has already made those reusable so (laughs) and in the places you want to do that go ahead like it's not you can even write that stuff in view but alpine is so i don't know dom oriented that if you want to do any part of your dom with raw javascript be my guess mm-hmm. 
So one thing that I think is interesting about Alpine that kind of um, is an interesting opinion that it takes that really does like put it between stimulus and view, in my opinion, is stimulus really takes this hardcore opinion of the dom is the source of truth for all things right there's no like in memory javascript data that is sort of controlling what is being shown in the dom everything just lives in um your html like including like if you want to basically make something configurable with stimulus that means like creating a data attribute a custom data attribute for your specific stimulus controller putting the information in there and stimulus will kind of read it from there um, whereas right. Alpine, well, sorry, whereas Vue, everything is lives in memory in JavaScript. The HTML is always like a projection of that data, essentially, right? Yeah. Now, Alpine works with the real DOM, so it's not like generating its own HTML from scratch based on its like data source yep. of truth, but it does hold a bunch of state sort of in JavaScript memory, Yeah. and that's... what gets you that sort of like declarative api in terms of like well x show equals is open or whatever like is open is in javascript it's not like you're writing javascript code to go and manipulate that yourself which is kind of what you would be doing in stimulus is this like a super like conscious thing like how how, where do you kind of draw the line in terms of how alpine is supposed to be like oh it's the rock solid using the dom versus you know javascript is sort of in charge yeah, I guess it 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 all kind of starts for me the my approach to all this stuff is outside in. I don't for the most part I don't start with like I have some architectural ideal and then the the inter, you know the usage of the tool kind of serves that. For me it's like I want it I want it to work with the way I use stuff and want to use stuff mm-hmm. which so I guess the emergent property of that is that yeah, it's got it's it's data is in the javascript in memory and all the dom stuff is just native dom. Um, so yeah, it's definitely somewhere between stimulus and view. I don't know. I mean, the stimulus ethos and philosophy is spot on. Like it's so attractive to me. Um, but man, like just using, it's just not good to me. So, so this is, this is a compromise for me. It's, um, and I'm fine with it. It's, I don't feel like I'm compromising anything. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think it feels like I've been playing with it a lot for, um, sort of this like the back end of tailwind ui which is the the project me and steve are working on with all these tailwind components and this is like the app where you're going to log in and browse it and stuff so uh, i've been using it for yeah little things like tabs and um even for like some more complex stuff that has to integrate with other libraries which i think is like a whole other interesting conversation to have. and uh it's it's worked really really well for that so yeah it's been pretty fun so one thing actually that i think is kind of an interesting conversation i know alpine what's the right way to say this it's not like it's limited in its feature set but like the um because of sort of the positioning that it takes and the way that it wants to work there's some things that like view can do that alpine isn't doesn't really make sense for it to do and like the big sure. one for me is like loop stuff so like yeah. in view you have some data with an array of stuff and then you have like v4 spit all this stuff out into the dom yeah. if the whole point of alpine is to sort of like hook into your existing dom well then like that kind of feels incompatible like how can it be responsible for generating like a list of things using like an x4 which might be the equivalent of you know this imaginary api have you thought like 
I'm sure you have thought about this. So like where, what are your thoughts on that problem? Like, does that feel like something that just doesn't really like fit with the Alpine mental model or is it something you want to support? The way that I write apps, um, you know, I'm not going to say I haven't needed X4 because I definitely have wanted it. Yeah. Um, the way that I write apps, usually that for loop is in on the server. So there's an at for each in blade that's looping through the element um yeah but you know there's times when even in that paradigm the x4 is is nice i think especially what when i've hit it is tried to build more granular little ui widgets and components like if i wanted to build my own little um taggable input field so that i type in a something make a comma and then i don't know whatever like i would want to loop through the things in the field and show the little tag below it or whatever and x4 would be just dandy for that um, so I guess first, maybe I'll explain why it's not as easy as me just adding it, yeah. you know, making yeah, yeah, it yeah. available. Not only does it kind of go against the paradigm, it, it, you know, architecturally would be really hard. Yeah. Um, so I added X if in the first iteration. Yeah, of I was going to ask you about this. So this is like perfect because yeah. I think this is very similar in terms of where the challenges. It's like the same are. thing. Yeah. yeah. It's just easier to implement X if, but it's the same problem. So in view, when you want to toggle something on and off, I think most people reach for X if I'd say most of the time. Yeah. Um, there is X if and or sorry, V if there's V if and V show and view V if physically removes the element from the DOM. So it's gone. Like if you look in Chrome dev tools, the element is the not there. It's just like deleted. Yeah. Yeah. And then when it's added, it's added in place. V show. Um, I don't know what V show uses under the hood, probably display none I as well. I think it's just an inline style that's toggling display okay. none on and off. Yeah. And that's what Alpine yeah. does. Um, yeah, so it's still in the DOM, but it's being shown and hidden. So Vue has the benefit of a virtual DOM. Vue knows knows your template. It has a place where it can see X if and where it is. So when the X if is toggled on, Vue can go, I know which elements that's between, and I can add that element in there. And it's easy yeah. enough in that paradigm. But in Alpine, I don't use a virtual DOM. It's all as needed. It's like what I need when I need it in Alpine, which we can get into some of the details of that later. But basically, if something, if I really remove something from the DOM, I then have to store somewhere in memory yeah. where that was removed, how I would put it back, what the element was. Do I copy the whole element and like keep it in memory and remove it and then re-add it? Do I copy all its attributes? You know, there's so many questions so it wasn't an easy one so i went you know what honestly i use vf for v show functionality i just use vf for whatever reason it's so rare that i actually need to remove the dom node yeah um i've literally like only ever needed it to actually work that way when um when you're doing something with like sibling selectors in css okay and uh because of the fact that the dom node still exists then like the element next to it alternating backgrounds on a table something like that right we're like okay well now it's like yes this is still the second child not the first child because there's another child even if it's hidden so now yeah you might get screwed up zebra striping from that sort of thing right yeah exactly um but yeah otherwise just toggling the display is basically enough yeah, so so my approach with this, the approach that I chose, so I did implement XIF, so it is available, and I'll explain what the API is for XIF, and then this will be the platform for the X4. Mm-hmm. Um, so the template tag is not, you know, it, it seems like a view thing. If you haven't encountered it, you're like, oh, the template tag in a single file view component. But a template tag is a real thing 
in browsers. Yeah. So you can use a template tag and anything inside of it will get ignored by the browser when it's painting. So you won't see it in the page. If you have a template tag and then a bunch of DOM inside of it, you won't see it. It's kind of used as a way to store um, DOM, I guess, in the browser for when you need it. Um, so that's what I decided to do. You have a template tag and you add XIF to the template tag. And then anything and gone. I was going to say, do you know much about like the history of the template tag? Because I'm looking it up now. Because in my head, I was thinking, you know what? I remember an era where people used to do like script type equals template yeah. and stuff like right. that, which made me wonder, like, is a template tag like fairly new? And it seems like it's new ish in the sense that like IE 11 doesn't support it, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Did you uh, learn much about that when you kind no. of like occurred no. to you? To I mean, I just this? followed the. You know, like because I used Vue with their inline templates for so long, you know, I had encountered the concept Mm -hmm. and the script type X template, whatever, um, that I still see, you know, used from time to time. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I guess I, (laughs) it honestly, the real answer is I think at some point I had a template tag because of a Vue component and I had it on a page and was like, huh, so this isn't a Vue thing. Because yeah. maybe I didn't have view loaded and it still didn't load. And I was like, what is a template yeah, tag? And like, then looked at it and was like, like, oh, cool. By default, you're expecting it to just be treated as like any kind of unknown tag, which basically just acts yeah. like a div, right? But the right, fact that like exactly. the contents weren't shown, it's kind of like, oh, something spooky yeah, is going let me on look here. Into this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know anything about the history. Cool. Yeah. So, so I guess how is XIF actually working in this case? Like, I think that's probably where we're about to get to. So you've got this template tag that kind of holds everything. You're putting the XIF on the template tag? On the template tag. Okay. Yep. And then anything inside of it's just normal, whatever, um, DOM. And then when XIF turns true, so assuming it starts out false, when it turns true, so if you have XIF equals is shown and then is shown is true, it'll take the contents of that template tag and it'll append it next to the template tag. So whatever's inside of it, will be kind of yanked out, turned into a real live DOM element, and then appended to the template tag. So it's like a sibling, a, gotcha. a direct sibling. And then whenever it's set to false, you just know to take the very next element in the DOM and delete it? Yeah, so I store a little flag on the actual DOM object itself. So every element in a browser has an op, you know a DOM element object, and yep. you can add properties to them. Um, and a lot of frameworks do this where they add little like hooks into these, these objects. So I added a little, like was included from X if hook or something. So when it's toggled off, when there's a false state, I can just look at the next sibling, see if it was included from X if, and then remove it. Gotcha. That's yeah. That's a, that's a pretty clever, simple solution to that problem really. Yeah. I toyed with everything else and I don't know, it seemed like the most bulletproof and I kind of like, I like that it's a little weirder that there's a template tag because it, it makes it so that it pushes you for X show mostly. And then when you need it, it kind of expresses yeah. that Alpine's a little different in the way it handles Dom stuff. And, yeah. and honestly, if you were building this XIF stuff yourself, you'd use a template deck like you yeah. should. So I don't know. It's kind of in line. Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is Tuple. So years ago, I used to use this app all the time called Screen Hero that let me quickly hop on a screen sharing call with a friend or coworker whenever we needed to pair program on a new feature or fix a bug, stuff like that. Eventually, Screen Hero got acquired by Slack, who promptly shut it down and released their own way worse version built into the bloated, resource-swallowing black hole that is their Electron app. So after this happened, I spent literally years suffering through either web-based alternatives that had terrible performance 
or enterprisey meeting slash webinar slash conferencing software that fill my screen with all these unhideable, annoying pop-ups and toolbars. And then ah, my friend Ben Ornstein and his buddies Joel and Spencer released Tuple, the absolute best pair programming app I have ever used. Here's why I love it. Number one, it's written in C++, so it is fast as hell with no electron overhead. Number two, it stays out of the way. There are no annoying pinned windows covering up all the tools I'm actually trying to use, like my text editor. Uh, Tuple itself is completely invisible, except for a little icon in the menu bar. Uh, number three, I can start a call with someone in my contact list in literally one click, so I don't have to create a meeting and then send around a URL or send invitations via email or any of that slow, annoying crap. Number four, the remote control experience is actually even better than Screen Hero. So they've done all sorts of clever optimizations in Tuple to make interacting with your pair's computer feel incredibly fast and responsive, like being really clever about detecting the mouse position on your computer instead of on the pair's computer so there's no visible lag. All sorts of little details like that that you'll notice that make the experience feel really great. Uh, number five, it's actually built for pair programming, not for webinars or meetings or conferences whatever the hell that is. It's loaded with all sorts of little details that make the pairing experience really great, like quickly drawing something on the other person's screen with a little pen tool, like maybe you want to draw a circle around something to get someone's attention in a certain place, or just click on something and have a little halo show up so you can point out a specific part of the screen, or even being able to copy a URL on your own computer and have that automatically appear in the clipboard for the person that you're pairing with so they can quickly jump to some documentation that you guys want to read together. So I was the literally the very first customer that paid for Tuple when it was released in 2018, and I have been a happy customer ever since. If your team does any pair programming at all, and you should because it's by far the most productive way I've ever found to build software, uh, you should 100% visit tuple.app and sign up for a free two-week trial to test it out. I promise you won't be disappointed. Thanks again to Tuple for sponsoring Full Stack Radio this week. Back to the show. Here's a question for you, actually. This is just kind of a general Alpine philosophy question, but something that I find myself doing with Alpine, and I think it's because I started, basically I was converting stimulus components to Alpine components. And in stimulus, it's kind of like considered sort of like the idiomatic way, what am I trying to say? Like kind of the idiomatic way of using stimulus is to sort of precede your HTML with all the correct state coming from the server. So if you have something like a conditional where maybe you're conditionally showing something um, or conditionally adding a class, the server should like include that class by default if that state is gonna be true by default so that if JavaScript never mm -hmm. loaded at all, the component like looked the way it was supposed to look. You know, that's kind of like yeah. the mental model. Now with Alpine, I've been doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly because like one of the reasons that I was excited about using Alpine instead of just bringing in like view sprinkles was I always had that problem with view where like you could always tell which parts of the DOM were controlled by view because 15 milliseconds after the page loaded that button would pop into place or whatever right yeah and you could try and work around that stuff with v cloak and sometimes that works but when something's actually like affecting like the layout of things later on the page like you're basically right. screwed and it's a lot more than 15 milliseconds. Yeah, it's it's pretty noticeable. So It's noticeable, yeah. So with Alpine, I was I was excited to use it because I was like, man, okay, so now I've got stuff rendered from the server. I can make sure that all the HTML that I want to be there is there and it's correct and it'll help me avoid any of that flickery garbagey crap. Yeah. But um 
in the case of this xif situation, I feel like that would be tricky because if you had like an xif defaulting to true, there's no way for me to like precede that sibling dom node with was added by xif sure. equals true. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's true, right? So it, I guess it, this it wouldn't fall under the that this is this is a perfect example of where Alpine falls in between view and stimulus. Yeah. So it's not it doesn't have uh, a a pure philosophy of all DOM must be seedable. Um, I think it strives for that because I too hate the page jank. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the case of XIF, I'd be like, just use X, X show. Like how, how often do you need XIF? I don't know. I put it there cause I wanted, I don't know if it was like, there was no real need for me to put it there. I wanted it to be there for completion's sake or maybe enough people asked i don't know but honestly i would mostly use x show and i could just yeah. see that so i'm not super yeah. worried about it and i will say that in my own testing i've like tried really hard to like seed the html with incorrect mm-hmm. sort of data like data that disagrees with what alpine thinks the state of the component is and tried mm-hmm. to see if i could see like the background color on a div changing or something because i have mm-hmm. you know bound one background color class with alpine but seeding a different right. one from the html and it's like impossible from for me to see it i have yeah because i guess it just runs faster than <laughs> yeah it's so fast because like literally if you look at you could logically follow alpine's javascript as it loads and it's so quick until it gets to the first thing to do something with it's like literally as soon as dom content loaded there's like a query selector for x data and then it's just walking those dom nodes which is so fast like using next sibling and stuff yeah and then it finds it and it does its thing so as opposed to something like view which used in that way you're you know you have to go through the compiler first to get to the vdom to then load the data to then write the vdom to the html yeah so it's it's faster in that way yeah i too have not noted the page jank that that you get with view yeah. but it's still you know in theory exists. in theory yeah so i'm be curious yeah. to like see what it takes in terms of like right. taking things to the extreme for me to actually be able to perceive that I do i have to put like a hundred thousand alpine components on the page and even <laughs> then it's only the very last one where you see it be like the wrong color for two frames or something like that yeah um yeah it'd be pretty interesting to figure that out so i'm um, all that to say so we've kind of talked through how the whole xif thing works which is very yeah interesting if you're in t- interested in the internals of this stuff because like we've been getting at it really speaks to like some of that helps you understand i think like the differences um yeah. when you think about like what the trade-offs are there or, or kind of what why that's more complex so mm-hmm. given that requisite knowledge now how does that impact like the whole x4 idea right so x4 wouldn't be that bad if you if you think about the x if like i could do the same thing I could just append multiple things and say that they were appended and give them some kind of key. So if they're reordered, I could implement some logic to reorder. So let's say that I just do all that and I could do that. It would be a bunch of code and annoying to handle the reordering, but that's fine. Kind of honestly, the thing that stopped me, (laughs) which I feel like it's just a matter of me sitting down and being frustrated by this for a weekend or somebody smarter than me coming into the code. But when you have an expression inside of a V4 in view, you're able to use, so let's say it's V4 item in items. Yep. Anywhere in that, you could be like V text item dot name. Yep. You know, so item is just kind of magically that it, the current iteration of the thing you're looping under. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Alpine, honestly, I just don't know how to do that well <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the syntax. Like I don't really know how to put like Dom inside of a loop when I'm evaluating it. I, I don't know. 
it's probably fairly straightforward but some clever trick to it yeah yeah yeah. so it's it's probably not that far out of reach but it's been kind of the thing that's definitely the most requested thing in alpine and to that i've always just said like i've just been punting out of and like yeah it's in the plans i want it someday it's kind of the last piece of the view api that um it's a little bit elusive yeah. to me and i don't want to muddy up the code base before i know exactly how i want alpine architected so just kind of been holding Fair. off yeah and i think um even like my own experience with alpine has sort of convinced me that yeah like that sounds like a nice to have but um it's not like this really crippling thing where like now yeah. oh like i really need that if only alpine had that i could <laughs> right. use it like literally i haven't needed it once and i've been able to completely replace stimulus with it not had to reach for view um as, right you're right there's only like a handful of situations where it it even really makes a ton of sense for that stuff to be like managed client side i think your example of like a dynamic like tag creation input thing is like a good one i could see i guess where like anything where you're maybe dynamically adding a new item to a list like you know that ui that we've all had to build on horrible apps where you have (laughs) a list of dynamic form fields and you have like the add add another custom field blow your brains out sort of thing um so that sort of situation but i mean you could solve that another way you could clone the dom node what you did uh, in jQuery, like I exactly, remember yeah. hitting that early on in my development days in a Code Igniter app, and I had to implement that. And I, this was one of my first, like, all right, I got to roll up my sleeves and really learn about this DOM thing with jQuery. Like, this isn't <laughs> just your, I'm just not hiding and removing now. I got to really figure it out. And I'm sure it was a horrible implementation. But yeah, I mean, the people that I, I think, I think if I like viewed from a a better alternative to stimulus for me, I, I'm sure stimulus is great for a lot of people. But from me thinking about like Alpine as as resurrecting uh, stimulus and vanilla JS users and jQuery users and whatever else, this is kind of like they're not going, oh, but I need this because they're already doing this themselves. Yeah, you know? they're already doing some so gross, be like, like copy this yeah. dom node thing because that's the exactly. only way to so do they'd be it. like, all right, I'll just copy and paste all that code and that's sure. fine. But people coming from view or stepping down from the like VDOM mountaintop, they'd be like, oh, no X4. What is this? Pshaw. Yeah. So that yeah. that's something that i definitely want to address at some point but i don't know cool yeah and the stuff and honestly like i'm not building i'm alpine's not driving my dom i'm not like making a server request to get a bunch of json to load it in a table and x4 all the table yeah. rows i'm loading that with blade or stuff like that you know so yeah makes sense yeah so okay i think where things get interesting to talk about maybe next is like doing more complex ish things with alpine and complex could mean a couple things in this case i guess what i'm thinking of is uh, something that i end up doing with view pretty regularly is sort of integrating view with other libraries that are not view sure. related so in the, my particular case when i was playing with alpine on the tone ui code base i'm using this like iframe resizer library because i'm building this ui that sort of previews one of these components and it has like a little drag handle so you can like resize it and see how it changes at all the different breakpoints and Um, Doing that with stimulus was, I felt like I sort of understood the path because with stimulus, every kind of JavaScript behavior gets its own dedicated JavaScript file, which is like the stimulus controller. And I figure, well, okay, well now I have like a JavaScript file. I can import another library. I can attach it to the DOM node. Like I sort of can see the path forward, right? But with Alpine, the sort of recommended path is like everything goes in your html like you just have these like little 
X data, X show, X whatever, where you're expected to put, I mean, in your head, and especially looking at like the examples in the Alpine readme, you're thinking like, probably I'm going to have like 30 characters between these double quotes in in any one of these cases where I have one of these attributes, Mm -hmm. right? For like a basic thing. But then you hit something like the case that I ran into where I need to import this iframe resizer library that I've installed from NPM and I need to like mount it to something. And um, I guess like it's, it would be possible to do all that like directly in the HTML, as long as you made like that iframe resizer library globally available by sticking it on the window or whatever. Yeah, but yuck, yeah. And you have like eight semicolons because you've got so many different lines of code like <laughs> just so mashed bad. together into one line. Um, yeah. But yeah, of course, like you're going to hit that and you're going to think like, ah, um, this isn't great. Um, yeah. So I think like you could have two reactions to that. One could be like, okay, I better like either move back to stimulus or maybe it's time to like do some view or something like that or the other reaction is like okay well what is alpine story for when i run into these situations where i'm not just like toggling one boolean value and doing something um so what is the alpine story for complicated behaviors that depend on other bits of code sure so i'll start i'll give you the brief story of how it came about and that'll sort of explain what it is so I was writing a component that I wanted I wanted to extract out um, because it was getting kind of nasty in the DOM. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I, I think I was just thinking about it and was kind of resisting the temptation to have some abstraction or some API where it's like alpine.component where you name it or whatever, like stuff like that. Yeah. And I rem- this was one of the ones that I was just sitting with for a while. And it just kind of hit me that, wait a minute. So if I had a function, like a just a plain old JavaScript function, you could put it in a script tag at the bottom of the page that returns an object. And that object is the data object you would use for that Alpine component. You could just call the function in xData because xData gets evaluated mm-hmm. and expects to receive an object, yeah. like a JavaScript object. So instead of just explicitly writing that object out in your HTML, you could have a function that you could, I mean, the function could come from anywhere. It could come from your NPM build where you import all these dependencies and whatever. But at the end of the day, yeah, so I was like, okay, so Alpine does data, right? Like it binds data. But what about methods? You know, yeah. what about yeah, abstracting? Yeah, this is like a whole important sort of thing that we haven't even touched on actually. So yeah, like what in view you have you have data and you have methods and computeds, but forget about computeds because we can just use methods. So you have data and methods. Alpine so, serves the data thing, and then anything you need to do, you do it in an inline expression. But when you want to break it out into a method, well, first I'll say that in view, I think I used methods more heavily than I do in Alpine, and I like that. I like a little bit heavier on the expressions in the DOM. And you just a lot mean of times in the it's sense that simple. like in view you would often have methods that only ever got called in like one place in the dom so it's like it's not like they were extracting duplication it was just they existed in the methods block to simplify the template not to yeah like in a drop down in view you would have like a method called show or hide or toggle yeah and then in the bottom they would be a one line like a half line that's like return this dot show equals not sure so I started in view, I started just putting those in line because I hate having to name the methods. I'm like, what do I name them? I don't know. I feel like, honestly, it's fine to just put it in the template. So I'll say that in general, I'm probably more comfortable with a little bit heavier template expressions than your average view user. Mm-hmm. But barring that, you want to extract a method. How do you do that? So I was like, well, 
what if I just, you know, it's just a JavaScript object, this data thing. So what if I made one of the data keys just a function? You know how in like a JSON object, you could have like, well, I guess it wouldn't be JSON, but in a JavaScript object, you would have like a key and value, like show equals false. And then you toggle that. You could also have a like toggle modal uh, method, like toggle modal colon, and then store that as a function or store a function as that. So function, and then you could do this dot um, show equals not this dot show. So I, I remember this, this was a great moment for me. Cause I was like, actually I could kind of do this right now and it would just work. And I wouldn't have to edit the code base anywhere yeah, at all. Those are like always like glorious <laughs> solutions to arrive yeah. on <laughs> like completely so external solutions. Yep. And I was like, Oh man, this, this just works and it works well. And this is how I'd probably want to do it myself. Mm-hmm. So I guess I landed on that and then I just, and the, the other little nugget in stimulus, you can compose, uh, controllers as like traits kind of, yeah, like you, you can, can attach multiple, multiple to the same kind of yeah. root element. And I always thought that was pretty cool. I love that idea, I guess, conceptually at least. Um, so I was like, you know what I could do? I could call two functions and destructure them into one object. So like in X data, you'd have curly brace, dot, 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 drop down comma dot 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 some other component yeah so it's a little crazy but in my mind i was like wait i just got composable controllers i got controllers i got all that stuff for free without even changing the code base um and that's kind of been the story ever since is like that's how you would do it and for a minute there i was just thinking like well one problem with that whole approach right is like collisions that you have to worry about sure um like if those two functions both return data objects that happen to share a key then when you splat those together you could have a problem but thinking about it there's nothing really stopping you from just like kind of creating a new top level object to namespace everything so you can have like curly bracket drop down colon then drop down the function call comma Mm -hmm. tabs colon tabs the function just do like drop down and now everything is just going to be drop down dot this drop down dot that and that's basically how things work in stimulus so now you basically like have totally solved the naming collision problem too (laughs) By just That's like sick. creating your own namespace for each That's behavior. Awesome. Is that a novel idea to you? Is that a new one? No one said that before? Cool. Nope. All right. Solid. I dig. Love it. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. That's um, so with that whole approach, I think like yep. one gut reaction that people will have to that is like just creating these like lowercase drop or gl- this lowercase mm-hmm. global functions living on the window that are only meant to be consumed by Alpine kind of feels yucky um yeah so i agree and i think it's in a it's in a middle place right now where there's like somebody just opened a github issue the other day like we should make alpine controllers and they outline this whole approach of like how you could have alpine dot controller and have lifecycle hooks and all this stuff and then somebody else was like well what's wrong with the function approach you know and they're like oh i didn't even see that and I'm like, yeah, for now, let's just use the function thing. So basically right now it feels very secondary. You, ha- it's, it's place in the documentation is inside the X data docs. So it's not even like yeah. a, a full parent, like this is a yeah. big thing that you need to know. Um, so it's totally not where it needs to be. Um, but I guess for now I'm so kind of resisting moving like, making things bigger and more specific yeah like that if there's I, a, if right there's now, an external solution to a problem then yeah 
Like, why would you bake that into the library until like there's until there's truly something that like only the library can do that would really benefit people? Yep. So I'm maybe I just uh, for people who don't make that connection right away, maybe I just put a piece of documentation and they might not connect all the dots that I'm just literally creating a bespoke function somewhere mm-hmm. and referencing it. Um, but maybe there's some simple little syntax that, that I can just add to the doc. Just some like solve just a convention for the people who are, um, who yeah. crave like some yeah. sort of golden path. Yep. And I'm typically like that. Me too. I, I, I'd, I'd like really to know hate like feeling way. like I have to like create something myself. I'm all, I'm always wondering like, yep. okay, how would the creator of this library do this? And I, I just want to do that because right yeah it's especially when yourself you were like how do i i want to convert this controller but this one i can't put in the html let's talk extracting and i think you tell me how you felt but it seemed to me like you were like uh like how's this gonna work is this gonna you know and then i was like dude just make a function and just yeah you know totally pop it in yeah yeah and i I think i could see myself like if i was building something that had um you know, a bunch of Alpine stuff or, or even if I had other JavaScript that wasn't Alpine and I really wanted to like for my own organizational benefit, feel like I could see mm-hmm. the line between like regular stuff and Alpine stuff, just yeah. make some sort of basically dictionary that lives on the window that I can just have like capital C like components equals empty yeah. object and um, drop all my component kind of constructors in there, I guess. And then in the DOM, it would be like X data equals components dot drop down. You know what I mean? And then it's like, at least I feel like they're all coming from like some namespaced yeah, place, but it's really superficial and really doesn't, Alpine will never know that you did it that way and doesn't care, which I think is. Right. You could, if you wanted, you could just, cause Alpine, once you import Alpine, you have, there's an Alpine window dot Alpine. Sure. You should um, just hang stuff off of that. If you yeah, want you could just to. do window dot Alpine dot drop down equals, and you could probably not even do a function. You could probably do a, like a straight up object literal and then just basically X data equals Alpine dot drop down. Does Alpine clone them? I guess every time. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I've wondered how singletons would work. <laughs> <laughs> it probably, it doesn't clone so you would probably have to but maybe the fact yeah, but whatever you know what? you put in a function hmm. yeah Not i don't know deal. yeah you might have to yeah who knows you have to just try it and see yep functions are fine but yep yeah pretty cool and then with the function you have this extra api of like the space between the function and the return mm-hmm. so that like this is the thing that is shared between every time you initialize it which i don't know you just get more free like what would be a bespoke api and is now just like a function behavior yeah yeah so maybe maybe one thing that's interesting that maybe at least note related to this whole thing is um the way i understand it anyways uh, your position is like avoid extracting this stuff until like it's painful whereas i think some people might just have this like built-in tendency where they don't want anything to be in the DOM. They want everything to be in uh, separate JavaScript files, even if it's like a behavior that's only ever used one time. Right. Um, but sort of the official Caleb Porzio Alpine creator stance is JavaScript files are a last resort. Yeah. But I mean, and by, I don't mean last resort like in the derogatory sense, like you really shouldn't be using them that often. 
I went to write a little real-time validation component today, mm-hmm. and I started doing the validation logic in the DOM, and I was like, yeah, it's time. It's time to pull this out. Um, so it's it's a common enough scenario. But yeah, like my way of doing it would be kind of like with Tailwind when people get like the, it's similar, like people wanting to do at apply with a bunch of Tailwind classes yeah. to make .btn and dot .stuff like that. Um, so for me, I, I would say keep it keep it in the dom and if you need to extract it maybe you need to extract a component like in blade or an include or something maybe that's a first yeah, level true. of defense like that, against totally, the verbosity yeah, yeah and that's the same recommendation with tailwind too um, right it's only really if you need to reuse some behavior with like a very different template or something or exactly yeah. yep so yep. it's the same exact prescription yep. with alpine yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense very cool so what else are you kind of working on with Alpine these days? Oh, yeah. So I guess, well, well, one other fun little um, thing I think is worth mentioning is Alpine uses XREF more heavily than you would in Vue. Um, so in Vue, in a Vue template, you have VREF and you specify a key. And this is like, this is the, hey, I'm in Vue, but oh, I need to integrate with some like bootstrap JavaScript yeah, library. something that or, needs to grab a handle onto a DOM node for whatever yeah. reason. Yep. And then in your mounted hook, instead of your created hook, you do this dot money sign refs dot and then the name of your ref and then do your thing. Um, I'll say that in in Alpine, I end up manipulating HTML like DOM elements more often um, because it's kind of working with raw DOM anyway. And I just think it well, one, I just want to make that note. So what's first. what's the situation maybe where you are doing that? That is is a situation that doesn't pop up maybe in view for someone who's used to using refs there versus refs yeah so i guess probably the biggest thing is in view when you need functionality you usually google for a view plugin okay so you're like okay i need a select two what's the thing all right view select oh i need a table like what's the data table okay view data table and then you pull it in and it just does its thing where don't do that people build everything (laughs) yourself that is the only way it will ever be it is true there yeah um it is a path to to pain but in alpine you wouldn't be googling alpine data tables plugin at least yet you know there wouldn't be lots out there yeah 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 um so you would make your own little component thing that would initialize like let's say you use popper for something or select to or whatever you're using you would need the root element to attach it to um, maybe you do dot in, because of the way that I like to write apps. Like I use dot inner HTML to like fetch HTML from the server and swap it. in. I use stuff that, you know, people, I don't know, don't really use in view cause it's a different way of thinking. So for me, I use XREF, you know, quite a lot. I'm, I'm really happy to have a little handle into the DOM. So I don't, it saves me from writing those weird, like query selectors and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Is there any other features of Alpine that like, uh, we kind of haven't touched on that are kind of interesting. I'm just kind of perusing the old documentation here yeah um, so there's 12 directives three magic attributes like money sign things that you can use um at the moment i always have to remember to increment the 12 in the readme when i add something <laughs> yeah too bad you can't just like make that dynamic i know um so looking at like the list here i'm trying to think if there's anything that's like uh, anything interesting anything that's like kind of alpine unique i think like one thing that's kind of cool is x init right because i know like mm. something that people will hit with uh i mean i hit this myself just when like trying to 
convert some stuff is there's oftentimes logic that you just need to run kind of at the beginning to just kind of like boot up the machine, you know, and that's um, kind of like the example you were given where you're using refs to mount popper to some element or something, right? Like that yeah. just has to be like some sort of like start function. And in, um, in Alpine, that is X and it. So how does X and it, I guess, compare to the lifecycle hooks that people are used to with view and react. Yep. Uh, so for the listener, Adam is pretending that he doesn't know exactly how it works. Cause this he is, basically this is, spoke it into this existence. This is literally every episode of full stack radio. This is how they all go. I know. Um, <laughs> so X and it, I wrote X and it cause I, you know, I needed that too myself. I'm like, I just need something that runs at the beginning. So I added X and it and then uh and then you were using it and i don't know it got like to this point where it was like 2 2 a.m and i'm writing it and i'm like you know what i think i i want i want to like in view you have created and mounted hooks mm-hmm. those are probably the most common lifecycle hooks and most people who use view for any amount of time understand that created runs when the things created like the data is initialized so you can manipulate data but it hasn't painted on the DOM yet. Like it hasn't rendered itself. Yeah. So then mounted is anytime you need to access like DOM stuff or add listeners or whatever, like do that in mounted. Um, so there's a similar kind of idea or mental mapping with Alpine where Alpine does initialize before it walks through the DOM and then, you know, initializes itself in the DOM. So I thought we'll create an X created and X mounted. Um, and I did. And then we talked about it and we ended up going back to X init. Um, so basically the story is X init works essentially like X created cause that's the most common. Yeah. Um, but then there was this need for how do we do X mounted? Well, one thing I um, think is worth noting is that, um, sure. X, even X created is not really the same as V or created in view, right? Because in, in view, there's literally no Dom. There's nothing at all that you can even do anything with. But I think based on what you said to me with Alpine in the, x created which is now kind of like the default x init hook you do have access to like refs for example yeah it's true and there's maybe a case where there's a little bit of a difference there but i would say the mental mapping is pretty much the same where See, even i disagree though there is dumb, I, I feel like in view, it's not ready in view if i want to use popper like that has to go and mounted 100 percent will right. not work and created and alpine it works 100 percent and created you know what i mean like, right the, literally the only times i use mounted in view are for things that actually work and create it in alpine because it's basically all to do with refs like the important thing about mounted to me in view is like okay the dom is there so now i can do stuff that depends sure. on the dom so i guess either if what you're doing that depends on the dom relies on the presence of an attribute that you dynamically add with alpine sure. then you want the mounted or if you're using xif or eventually x4 anything inside that will be non-existent in the created hook and then you would have to yeah use so the difference is there's like between x created and x mounted which no longer exists so we're doing like a really good job of making everything clear to people uh, <laughs> right. who are listening the differences are basically like one happens after alpine has scanned the component knows about all your different bindings knows what refs you want all that stuff and can make that stuff available to you um but it hasn't done the work of reconciling your state against the state that you've declared the dom should be in given that state whereas mounted does take that into account or is it even more complicated than that (laughs) no well yeah it's not exactly that but it's conceptually i want to remind people that they can use the same mental model as they do in view 
I would. But it's like, not I would though, use, because then you would want okay, to be Adam doing stuff would. into into mounted that is like just you're making it slower now for no reason. Just slower for no reason. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Um, uh, what was I going to say before you totally dumped on <laughs> X init X created? Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, what I think where we're oh, getting oh, oh, is you, like, okay, how does X init now solve like the problem? Right. Well, you, I think you had, you have the right mental model, but you described that like Alpine initializes, it knows all your refs, it knows everything. Mm-hmm. You run X created, then it actually does the work, then the mounted happens. Okay, but that's not true. Um, what? It's not true because like refs. So this is one, what I wanted to touch on with refs that refs are calculated as needed. It's a magic getter. Okay. When you call a refs, it walks through your DOM and finds it. Interesting. So that it doesn't have to. Alpine keeps zero track of elements. Gotcha. Except for its root. Gotcha. Um. Which it's attached to. So if the root dies, then the component yeah. dies. Um, so it's, that is a hard philosophy line for me, is I do not want to... I went down that road with Livewire a little bit, keeping track of DOM, like storing them in temporary arrays and stuff. But you have to clean up after yourself. You have to make sure it's in sync, maybe use mutation. It's crazy. Hmm. So I'll say that, whatever, it's a slight implementation detail, but literally I store the data property, then I run in it. Okay. So I don't even look through the DOM. Gotcha. So store it's, it, the fact that refs it. are available is just um, probably not a coincidence. Like I think it's probably safe to rely on that behavior. Yeah. But yep. it's uh, it only works because of the fact that you're make basically making Alpine do the work to figure it yeah, out exactly. on demand. It's not like it has done the work already. Sure. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So um, we were talking the other day, trying to figure out like how can we do created and mounted just so people have the flexibility but we were kind of wrestling with this decision of do we expose these like two hooks even though like basically 99.999 percent of the time you only need one and then make people have to think about that right um or do we just expose like the one hook and just make it be the the slower one so at least like everything Mm -hmm. works but it just like feels simpler or is there like some sort of like clever ass in between that lets you keep like this, this, <laughs> look at you building it up some sort this, of the surface area implementation. small yeah so i came up with this genius idea that probably <laughs> maybe Better, only yeah. i could have come up with with <laughs> right, my <yeah. laughs> immeasurable genius and um what we what we I, I so here's a story though i suggested this to you kind of a little bit nervous that you were going to be like this is gross because I, my personal taste in programming is like there are things that other people look at that they think are like messy and complex but mm-hmm. appeal to me in some sort of like weird clever way like, a philosophical like I, I way value... or, or you see a, a something at the root of it like at the heart of this code yeah that you i don't know there's something and... like there's something like i value cleverness in code in a way that like okay. other people and and people who like people shit on cleverness right like everyone hates cleverness it makes your code hard to maintain whatever but there's some part of me that just like just loves (laughs) cleverness i don't know oh yeah um yeah so what i proposed was something that i thought was dangerously clever um which was that you can have this x init expression that any code that's just in x init just runs right away and that happens like the equivalent of the created hook but you could return a function from X in it, and that's what would be like the equivalent of mounted. Um, it kind of feels like sort of like use effect and react, where like 
exactly like yeah effect, i mean yeah. it, it does a totally different thing but right but it's the same, same like sort of conceptual like you are running idiom. some code yeah. but also like sort of passing back some more code that could like could be run yep. later um so i proposed that and uh you thought it was interesting and now that exists uh in alpine so what how do you feel about that that api I love it. I believe maybe I said interesting, but I hope I said baller at one point because I yeah, was definitely was a jazzed good chance. About a, good chance that, that I, word I was thought it was like, oh, bam! Like that is it. It solves all of my woes. It's it's the clear path forward. I loved it, and I already had the idiom from use effect. Like I, mm. and maybe even other places, but it, to me, it was already like a valid programming idiom in JavaScript. Yeah. Um, so I thought, great, let's use the idiom. I don't feel like I'm creating some weird, obscure thing. I feel like I'm, you know, using a clever uh, pattern. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's yeah, kind of weird so, about it, which maybe is actually fine because I don't think this would actually ever appear. I th- so I guess what I'm thinking in my head is it's kind of grim that you have to like type a return statement in your html right like you write a bunch of code that runs an x in it then a semicolon then return function like I, sure. that can get like excessive but i can't sure. really think of like a situation where you're ever going to need that where you haven't already decided to extract this stuff to a javascript file anyways because it's really only gotcha. if you're like you're interacting in, with some in html yeah. i don't know i, I it feels like a rare case that you even need to use it and it's probably yeah, in a case funny. where I things are already even... complex Right. I didn't even picture it in HTML. Yeah. Like to me, it's not even part of the API. Like it is, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I would use that in a separate thing. And I'd probably even add a comment for people that like this gets run after the DOM initializes because it's the point. It's the 1% use case. Yeah, totally. Of X and it. So I'm, I have way more, um, uh, I don't know, mercy on the feature as far as like discoverability and yeah readability and whatnot it can just be like someone finds it by googling for a problem that they have and like oh yeah by the way like this is this advanced thing from the api documentation that there's so many things in other libraries that are like that and i think that's the right way to do it you want to yep keep some features that's a fine path for me yeah yeah totally okay so i think i have one more kind of general topic to talk about related to alpine and then maybe we can start wrapping up but i think one area that you could get bitten using alpine is in browser support and just like not necessarily Mm. what browsers alpine supports although it sounds like it's probably just like an evergreen browsers currently yeah there's a there's in the docs there's a polyfill cdn that you could drop in but but. that will that work for template tags you know yeah probably not right stuff like like maybe maybe someone has figured out some clever way to do that it's it's kind of it's always evolving like i i'm just person i'm purpose i'm not purposely i'm personally doing a bad job at supporting ie11 basically because yeah. i'm i'm just kicking it down the road until i decide exactly i11 if is i want to you know. i think um nobody should i think like the more that we make our things support it the worse we are making everybody's lives and the worse we are making the internet yeah. because it's possible. I I generally feel that way as I don't know somebody who likes not bad things. Yeah. <laughs> but but as a person who the last project I was on at Titan had to support IE11, it was a hard requirement, and it was a valid hard requirement. Sure. Ever since I've had like this like understanding for for all those people that feel like left out, like oh you all get to build your greenfields all day, and I have to support IE11. But no um, one's gonna have to support it for long. Like 
it doesn't even ship with Windows in any sort of discoverable way anymore. So the only situation where you have to support IE11, as far as I understand, really, is if you your project needs to work for people who are on computers running Windows 7 that are never going to get updated at whatever company, right? Like that's like those are the only computers where people use i11 yeah healthcare and health related things sure. is what i've encountered yep. is the place where it's needed most but that again that's, that's just because they're part on of older the... hardware has to be yeah and their users i mean like things for like that they if they if it's just a mandate to support like i don't know like it's sure, like so a, like the obamacare's be, marketplace like laptops like five-year-old laptop or whatever. yeah, yeah like if a fair. user needs to get healthcare and you're gonna stop them because they're they using have, download chrome <laughs> um yeah, yeah. Right. okay fair fair that's fair um that's too bad because i truly hate i11 but all- but that's why i'm taking my stance i'm like i mean right now i'm so focused on it alpine is the anti-livewire like a lot of the mistakes that i made in livewire mm-hmm. um it's the anti-livewire in my approach like i've resolved those mistakes in livewire but i've had to walk a long journey and alpine i just am deciding not to walk the journey i'm just like yeah. i'm not promising ie11 support I'm very open to having a section in the docs that makes it easy for people to support i11 and I'm also open open to extracting. I think stimulus has a like at stimulus slash polyfills or something sure so you can just they like have a little polyfill thing and that would be fine with me yeah. um and I, th- I just don't want to deal with having too, tests you would just have I-11. to say like vf doesn't work in i11 use vshow yep, sure you right know what I mean like yeah maybe yeah. you'll have to work around it in some annoying ways but like too bad but there's polyfills for everything yeah so I, for they sure. can just keep stacking them on if you want so i think the one place though where i think people are more likely to get bit by browser support issues when using alpine is in their own code because yeah, yeah. now that everything is in the dom sure and right in your html uh you're not getting that like magical oh Babel is just like transpiling my code and sure. i don't even freaking right. know that it's doing it because like that's literally how yeah. i've operated for the last like four years or whatever right yeah so like when you talk about like oh yeah you can just like use destructuring to mix in like two functions into your <laughs> right. x yeah, data you it's like yeah. cool i literally don't even know if any browsers support that out of the box or if only Babel does that for me like i'm pretty sure no, it's well, pretty well everything. supported at this point um yeah but there's going to be other things that you are used to that are just not going to work. Right. So I don't no know like what, what my question is, I guess, I guess it's more just like, what, what's kind of, you, how do you feel about that yeah. in general? Sure. So I, I was bitten with this. So I switched to single file view components at one point and which now brought everything under the build and Laravel mix and it's all babbled and I can do whatever I want and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But when you're passing slots from like a raw blade component into a view component, maybe it's slots or maybe it's an inline template. I feel like it's slots though. There's, there's certain things that you can't do. I forget which ones bit me. I mean, one self-closing tags you can't use. Um, you can only use those within single file view components, um, self-closing tags. And there was definitely something that I was using in a bunch of expressions that was breaking because now it went outside of the Babel build and it's just in a view expression inside of, you know, my HTML. But, um, I don't remember exactly what it is, but to that, I say, a, there's a lot better browser support, you know, every day B, um, you could Babelify the functions you pass into, uh, X data, you know, so if you want to extract things, but then you have to extract everything. Well, not everything, but you have to extract anything that, any all risky code must be extracted right i guess i would say that the basic uses of 
of Alpine are like are using like equal JavaScript symbols from 1994. Yeah, yeah, like exclamation point yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then you, the places it's more likely to happen is in the places where you're messing with other other libraries or building up some big DOM or using like fetch uh, or... manipulation or fetch or anything like that. Um, and in that case, like they're probably going to be in a separate file anyway, or you could put them in intentionally and then just babbleify that there like you would anything else. Mm -hmm. So you could just yeah. build Babel right into Alpine and Babel everything in the browser and just, I know, maybe make it <laughs> runtime Babel, what, like 500 to a thousand times slower. Yeah. Add like 400 kilobytes of JavaScript. Yeah, Babel, exactly. At least. And then hopefully Babel has been babbleified to you and run in the browsers where you need Babel. Yeah, right. You got to add the Babel polyfill to get Babel runtime to Babel your internal Babel. Yeah. Yeah. Babel Bobble. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff, man. So I guess like we talked about uh, X4 a little bit. That's kind of like a roadmap kind of major thing. Is there anything else mm -hmm. that like you really want to nail or solve in Alpine that's not yeah. part of the current feature set? The two roadmap things are X4 and uh, sharing data between components. So this is the other thing that a lot of people are asking about. You can nest components right now. That's fine. But how do you, there's no props, you know, there's no props. There's no, um, I, I saw, I don't know if that's a pull request that's still open. It looks like it's closed or merged, but there was at least a way to like reference, um, data from a, a parent component. So if you're like yeah. a child, that's, that was closed. Um, yeah, the implementation's tough. So basically I've, I am really dedicated to a simple, small implementation for Alpine. Mm. Um, and even in just Alpine's small life cycle, I've let in other things and gone in directions and then backed out because, because it just gets crazy. Um, and the crazy thing is, is observability, like observing data changes and reacting to them is a, a big rabbit hole and you can, you can dig your hole pretty deep. So, uh, so with the nesting component thing, like basically i if I, I first have to decide how we're going to allow parent data to be observed in child components you know like that's the the actual architectural problem that i i want to first like understand and trust yeah um but then it's like what's the api and this is interesting i'm curious your thoughts on this i've wanted to get your thoughts on this there's basically two paths that i see maybe three let's say there's three paths the first is view type thing where you just have some props directive. You can say like X props and then pass stuff through and you can't mutate the props in the child, but you can observe their changes. Got it. So it's going to just it. sit next to X data. It'll be called X props. Sure. It could be an object or whatever. And anything that you pass there has to be stuff from the scope of the parent essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Option B is just at like create a magic money sign parent. So that if you have X show and a child component, you can say X show equals and then money sign parent dot and then start accessing data and then reacting yep. to it when it changes. Can you mutate that um, data in this? Yeah, I would allow you to mutate it because I'm already like, I'm not just going to restrict that just to stick with a props type ideal, yeah. I would think. But um, but sure, yeah, you can mutate it. Um, and OK, so that's that's option two. Option three is this is this wasn't a gut reaction of mine but a lot of people thought this is how it should work so i'm really interested to hear what you think children have access to parent data automatically it's just like normal javascript scope that's and they can override my it. gut feeling is that too um really you that was your gut was like this should behave like that 
that's kind of how I would have expected it to work if I wasn't really yeah. thinking about it and just writing code. I would have thought like that would have been the first thing I would have tried. Uh, let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Because I, in my head, I'm thinking of it as like a function within a function. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to evaluate the implementations and that one might even be easier. Who knows? Like I just have some fallback chain where like you look for a property. If you can't find it, climb up the chain, see if you find it. Um, yeah, and in a perfect world, the implementation wouldn't have to be like some clever way of re-implementing JavaScript functionality. It would just be like it just works yeah, for free right. because the scopes are nested. But um, who knows? That that's all that with problem that yeah. Um, I heard you talking about that, that in your podcast, about. but I haven't really looked into like that JavaScript operator. That, that's a, that's the final. That's a story that that I I love to tell. Um, can I tell it? Sure. So I'm building Alpine and it's the kind of thing that uh, I think it's worth noting that Alpine took me like project X at the time. I think it took me a day to a day and a half to implement most of the existing feature set in most of the way it's currently written. Um, so, so there you go. I am a God developer, but, um, but I had already written it all for Livewire basically. So like Alpine is the perfect, culmination of everything i had learned writing livewire mm-hmm. um so i already knew like exactly how to build it and exactly like i had code to to yank out from livewire and put it in um so it felt like really fast and everything was great but this one thing how do you get like in view if you have vf or v show you can just reference the data without the this dot you know yeah. so if you have an is shown piece of data you can just do is shown equals or if is shown instead of this dot is shown i have to say so I was personally like, like i do not care about not about yeah. being forced to write this dot but yeah. yeah so i punted on it initially the first implementation was this dot money sign data actually or maybe it was money sign data mm-hmm. dot whatever anyway it was something so that i could keep going with the core and not get bogged down in this little issue but it was always it's one of those things like like nagging me at the back of my head. And then I think I, I showed it to somebody and they were like, oh, but I can't do this. I would love to do this. I was like, yeah, I know. So I, I dug really deep on it. I, I, wrote, I read like most of Vue's source trying to figure out how Vue does it. And in my mind, I was like, okay, I either A, have to mess with the scope of that, ex- of that expression, like somehow bind the scope. But you can't when you're using a val, which you don't have to get into. Yeah. Or I have to use regex to like yeah. add Ooh. in the... Yeah, so I was like, honestly, my best bet right now, because it's not possible with evaluating a string, the, what you have to do to evaluate a string, it's not possible um, to just bind a scope to it. So I was like, oh, I'm like, can I can I hijack the window object temporarily? Like horrible, dirty, nasty sins sure. that I was considering. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, you know what? Regex is my safest bet, but there's no way that's going to be tenable. So I like gave up on it and I this was keeping me up. And then I, I just started looking through view source. Like I already looked through view source, but I went on GitHub and like searched in the search bar and was like searched for everything relating to template tags and strings and parsing. And then I found, it's funny, I didn't find this because it's one word and you'll miss it if you don't look close. It's with. All you need is a little JavaScript expression that no one's ever heard of called with. And it's like a while statement. Like you do with, then you pass in a thing and then a block, like curly brace and closed block of code. And now everything in that block of code will reference whatever you passed into it as the root data object. Yeah. And so really all I do is wrap the eval with a with <laughs> Just like the data. simplest possible yeah. 
magic solution ever. Although MDN highly encourages you to not use this functionality. Yeah, I know. It, it's always going to work. I mean, that's how things in right. browsers have to be. So, Vue, Vue uses it internally. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh my gosh. Well, how often is it that you wrestle with a problem for days and days and the solution is actually Some crazy simple and perfect? language feature. Just never no happens. It's one of those moments yeah, that I was cool. just like, this is the universe's gift to me. Here's a question for you about the nested stuff that... Mm-hmm. Uh, just a question. What would happen if you had a nested component instead of another one and in the x data for the nested component you just said parent colon this oh boy um i don't think it would react you know what dude it might react (laughs) (laughs) honestly ah um you know what would probably work for sure what i'm pretty sure would work if like let's say you're not accessing a nested thing Mm -hmm. in the data oh adam dude this is good this is good okay lay if it you on do me x yep i think i would need to make one little change but that's okay x data object right mm-hmm. and you say money sign parent colon and then i don't know this dot money sign data or whatever but i would have to make sure that when alpine is crawling the dom and it encounters a child it evaluates their string instead of just skipping it um like if i made the 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 it could get nasty but but that would actually be, that would be the simplest approach. Is what you're yeah. saying is like, take the whole parent observable, and just like make it available. Just to basically right. do all the work yourself as much as possible. Like, and now I'd have to think if the reactivity would still work, and it might. It's one but of those things you just thing have with, to just try. <laughs> I know, try and cross your fingers, and it either magically works or is the hardest thing in the world yeah. to uh, get to work. <laughs> yeah, could be interesting. Yeah, worthwhile experiment. Yep the observability approach these are all the things that when you don't build front-end frameworks you'd never encounter and you don't care about Mm -hmm. but the observe like alpine uses proxies for its observability to observe changes which i think view three is going to use um and i don't know it's just fun i just love that that it's a simple little javascript thing called a proxy that you pass in an object and then handlers that's to basically like php's magic call and magic get yeah. on a class yep, yep, yep. and it just in you know and you can just basically intercept calls to objects and then do whatever you want Pretty so cute. when somebody tries to set something i just refresh the dom and we're good love it i think that's fun cool man well we've been going for yeah boy. A, while, a while here so i think probably a good time to wrap up what is the best way for people to stay current with the state of the alpine universe uh, follow me on Twitter. That's the best way. Twitter.com slash Caleb Porzio. That's right. Emphasis on the E. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Caleb. If you're interested in the show notes, you can check those out at fullsackradio.com slash 132. Thanks to Tuple for sponsoring the podcast this week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>